Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, Happy New Year. Welcome to Broken Records. This is episode number 66 of the podcast, which aims to find the worst record ever made in the history, the history of recorded music ever, 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 ever. Um, it's 2022. What a bizarre name for a year seems rather high doesn't it Rimfrey? seems quite high to me <laughs> what bizarre name for a year what bizarre number it feels very futuristic it's mm. like when we first got into 2001 that felt really futuristic and 2010 20, felt futuristic 2012 as well 2012 going to yeah. end 10 yeah. years ago 2012 madness anyway oh by the way oh, i'm Stephen hill he's Renfrey deadman hello yeah and um this is as i said broken records where we try and find the worst album ever made uh how have you been Renfrey? we haven't done a podcast for a little while so um thanks for your patience everyone listening and we're back you all right you everything fine let's do a truncated short answer i'm fine <laughs> how are you steve uh, but yeah absolutely fine absolutely <laughs> fine we should say before we get into this week's episode uh, all of the records that we pick as we always say in this podcast they're not picked by us they're due to their critical standing their commercial performance the band's reaction the fans reaction some sort of weird little thing that happened during the making recording or release of the records on here that's how all of the records get into the hatful of shit which sits behind me there thus far there are 64 albums and one unranked album, Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy, unranked. But there are 64 other records that we have in our list of bad records so far. And before we get into this week's record, which is Allow Us To Be Frank by Westlife, the fifth studio album from the Irish boy band Sensation, released on the 8th of November 2004. Before we get into that record, I'm going to run down the 20 worst albums that we have covered thus far, the flop 20. They are, in descending order, Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis Fourteenth, The Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers, The United Nations of Sound by Richard Ashcroft. Ashcroft? Crob. Ashcroft. Ash- Richard Ashcroft, eh? <laughs> Richard Ashcroft. Love that Richard Ashcroft. Mr. Blobby, the album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack to the movie of the same name. Eogan Quig, a kindred spirit of this week's... Um, Entry in a lot of ways, I think, with his yeah. self-titled debut album. Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2. Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers. Vanilla Ice is Hard to Swallow. The Clashes Cut the Crap. Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman. Philosophy of the World by The Shags. Arsehole by Gene Simmons. Total Zanarchy by Little Zan. Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor. Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem. The True Symphonic Orchestra with the Concerto and True Minor. Uncle Cracker's Double Wide. Crazy Frog presents Crazy Hits and still at number one. Broken Side. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. So there we go. But into that list will go Allow Us To Be Frank by Westlife, released on the 8th of November 2004. I'm going to say before we get kicking off Renfrey, mm-hmm. I never thought I'd have to listen to an entire Westlife album in my life. You know? <laughs> Neither did I. And then but, you came up with this feature and now I've had to. <laughs> see, 
the thing is, right, is the move away from Riot Act, where we do our weekly rundown of all things alternative uh, on the, the main show that we do. And we used to have this as part of Riot Act. And because of that, initially, all of the albums in Broken Records were just kind of rock, alternative, guitar-y, broadly speaking, albums. But when we decided to go alone with Broken Records, it opened up to a whole new group of artists that we probably never would have considered covering before. A whole new world of shit. A whole new (laughs) world of shit. And and thus we find ourselves listening to a Westlife album. My fate, as I know it, is just taking a massive turn. <laughs> I never saw that in my future. I have to say, if someone had said to me in two, in, in in kind of late two thousand eighteen, in three years' time, you'll be listening to a full Westlife album. <laughs> I don't think I would have been here in 2019 yeah. or 20 or 21 and certainly not 2022 but here we are I chose to listen to this um immediately after this little spoiler for the right act stuff but after listening to the new Venom Prison album and it was quite a leap to say the yeah. least mm. um but there you go you know life yeah. throws you different challenges and stuff doesn't it it absolutely <laughs> does so there's two things really that we need to talk about here and i'm going to i'm going to kind of break this immediately into two things number one uh which will be the second thing that we talk about so really i should call it number two but <laughs> the swing revival of the early noughties we will be talking about that but also number two or number one as it is, because we're going to talk about it first. Westlife and how popular they are. Oh, this is like Westlife. a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Why did you make this needlessly I don't know. I don't know. I just felt the like average it. Westlife fan is not going to be able to follow this. So no, yeah. I hope not. Um, <laughs> the average Westlife, Westlife fan isn't going to want to listen to this. To be no, they're not. To be honest, Westlife are popular. I have no idea. Quite no idea why but they are very 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 popular here are a list of westlife's achievements or a few of westlife's achievements from free they have the most consecutive number one albums in the uk and ireland since the beatles 11 number one albums that is by the way 16 number one singles the first band to achieve seven consecutive number one singles in the uk ever the most singles to debut at the top of the charts of any band in the UK singles charts ever. The right. top selling British group of the 21st century thus far. The eighth best selling boy band globally ever. The biggest ever selling boy band from Ireland. That's pretty, seems pretty obvious. They've yeah. won World Music Awards, two Brits, four MTV Awards and four Record of the Year Awards. They've played Wembley Arena more times than any other artist in history. Wow. They've sold 55 million albums worldwide. What's all that about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? There are a huge number of people who just want something pretty 
or something nice in the background. This is the difference between the way that you and I listen to music and a lot of people listening to the show will listen to music and the way that the majority of people listen to music. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily... That's not me going, oh, therefore uh, we're better or anything like that. It's just the manner in which you invest in music is very, very different to the manner in which the average Westlife fan would invest in music, I imagine. I did a little bit of actual real-world research into this phenomenon by asking my mate Stu's wife, (laughs) who's been to see Westlife a bunch of times. When I went round there yesterday, not with the sole intention of asking her about Westlife, but it came up in conversation, she was actually listening to Ed Sheeran of her own accord in yeah. the kitchen. She actually put Ed Sheeran on, which is a bizarre thing to do because you have to listen to Ed Sheeran anytime you leave the house. Somebody's, it's on the radio, on the telly, it's on an advert. It's just someone flying overhead just playing Ed Sheeran. So I'm always a bit like, weird, isn't it, that you would go out of your way Choose to, to on. have, yeah. it's like being force fed bread <laughs> and then going, what do you fancy for dinner tonight? Some sort of sandwich. Like, do you know what I mean? It's weird. So uh, there's anyway, nothing so wrong I, with bread, but being forced to isn't so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I said to her, I was like, you like Westlife, don't you, Rebecca? And she said, yes, I do. I've got my picture. you want to see my picture that I got taken? With I hope her. that's a fake I name said, that you've used for her because we don't want her being attacked or anything like that. Attacked? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> for her views on, on, on music for from a you know popular podcast like this one, a music podcast like this. I mean, I don't think I've given A. I don't think I've given it is a real name. A. I don't think I've given that much away. B. I think our listeners are a bit nicer than that. <laughs> and C. I think even if even the ones that aren't, I'm going to have to try googling the word Rebecca and finding. <laughs> I don't. Tr- I don't trust our listeners. I think they'll yeah, attack them. Okay, fair enough. I've been reading anyway, a lot I of said, true um, crime over the Christmas period, so I'm yeah. in a bit of a weird place mentally. I apologise. Go on. Okay. All right. Well, she said, uh, I said, um, she said, do you want to see my photo with Westlife? And I said, absolutely no interest in that whatsoever. But I would <laughs> like to know what you, because you love, you really like, she goes to watch them live and stuff. I was like, why do you like Westlife? What's good about Westlife? And she said, oh, their songs are good, aren't, aren't they? <laughs> and I went, are you asking me if their songs are good? And she went, well, yeah, always reassuring when when a statement like that is given a question mark at the end of it and i went i don't think they're no i went well i don't know because they got a lot of as we'll discuss in a bit got a lot of covers i was like do a lot of covers a lot of covers a lot of covers and they ruin a lot of songs uh with their bad covers and i was like no i don't think their songs are very good at all i don't i don't really understand and she couldn't really give me a reason why she liked them she just liked them and I ended up sort of going, I don't think you do like them at all. I think this is nonsense. I don't even think you like them. This band, you've got a photo where you don't even know why you like them. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so anyway, I was asked to leave. Um, but that was a little bit of, that was a little bit of real world uh, sort of um, digging and exploration into the popularity of Westlife that I did. But I, I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I... I genuinely really don't know, but it might be worth reminding ourselves at this point, though, we are constantly, constantly, constantly trying to assess why 
we like things and coming up for reasons why we like things and mm. i think it is worth remembering sometimes this is more for us than the benefit of any, anyone else that sometimes that the majority of people just like stuff because they like it you know yeah and and that is worth remembering going and that's into fine this. and that is and that, fine that, that is, is fine. fine so just a little bit of just to kind of um get into the the the, 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 the how westlife came together apparently a Four of them went to school together. They did Grease. And they started as a kind of vocal group, as a six-piece. And um, they were they were initially called Six as One, uh, which not a great name. Um, and I mean, they're all, Louis, the, they're all the fucking same, aren't they? So, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I wouldn't be able to tell them Louis, Louis Walsh, uh, who was the manager of Boyzone, who you, you know now as no as louis walsh, as louis walsh yeah. um yeah. he uh he wanted to sign them to simon cowell's psycho label simon cowell said you're gonna have to get rid of three of them because they're the ugliest band i've ever seen i would suggest that you know a doesn't really matter and or it shouldn't matter should it simon it shouldn't be your lofty ideals about what good art is shouldn't really matter if they're a bit ugly if, if they're good musically um well for, for what simon cowell paddles does and sells yeah. It is important, but yes, yes, absolutely. I'm, so I'm with you. They they changed their name to West Side, but there was already a band called West Side. Probably, probably not really. Wanted, they shouldn't really call West Side. Should they? So they changed their name to West Life. Three of them got booted out, and auditions were held, um, and they created the five piece that West Life are now. Which, if you know, the original lineup of West Life is. Brian McFadden, he was like the big one, the big one everyone knew. Um, Bobby Clark, Seamus Longstaff, Carwin Stanley, and Giles Hippodrome. Now, I have just made Giles those names Hippodrome. up because, yeah, I've just made those names up because I don't know their names and I don't care and it doesn't matter and they're all the same. So it doesn't actually matter what their fucking names are. I will be referring to them going forward with those names because who fucking cares? Brian McFadden's the only one anyone knows because he shagged about with somebody off of, with a with a. He went out with Kerry Katona and then he shagged the soap star. And that's the only reason you know who he is. Not because of what he did in Westlife. Because they're all the fucking same. They all look the same. They are the blonde one, the brunette one, the other blonde one, and the other brunette one. That is Westlife. I I do have a question about this, actually. Because I have heard of Brian McFadden. Mm -hmm. um, But I didn't really know why I'd heard of Brian McFadden. So is that the reason why I've heard of him? Because he shagged... Well, not just shagged. He was with Kerry married. Katona. Married to Kerry. to... Was, is, still. Was married know. to Kerry Katona. Okay. Well, it's around this period. We're going to do Westlife's History Room for him. We'll get into the Brian McFadden. It's the Can't only wait. interesting thing that's ever <laughs> happened to Westlife. So we're going to save that. Um, but anyway, who cares what the other one's names were? When I look at Westlife, I don't even see faces. I don't even think they've got faces, Westlife. I just see a blank bit of paper with the words nice boy on. <laughs> that's what their faces look like that is what their faces look like um i don't think anyway, they look, look, I, I do, but just to go back to that thing i don't think they look ugly like yeah i, I, well, I you I'm, didn't I'm, see the ugly ones they kicked the ugly ones out didn't they oh i see i see okay okay that that's fair enough i mean yeah i mean they're very plain looking i i would not be able to tell the difference between them at all i wouldn't be able to tell the difference between westlife any member of westlife and a paper plate that a toddler had drawn a smiley face on. <laughs> I wouldn't. No. So anyway, no. so there you are, they are. They are. Um, Gavin, Tom, Simon, Paul, Brian McFadden, 
and Rodrigo. They are the five <laughs> members of Westlife. Who cares what their names are? It doesn't matter. Um, but they came across during an era of unprecedented <sighs> levels of success for boy bands and kind of manufactured pop at that point. It was dominating, particularly in Great Britain, absolutely dominant in the charts at that point. And I have to say, around that time, I was pretty sniffy about boy bands back in the day. And I'm sure you listening, I'm sure you were as well at some point. These days, I have thawed a little bit to this sort of style. I have to admit, Renfrey. I can see what a great songwriter Gary Barlow is. I actually like some of the more banging, sort of edgier stuff like East 17 and, and 5. I think some of the super bubblegummy US stuff like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC are just so catchy that they're really hard to deny. Um, there's a bunch of really overly cheesy but quite funny ones like Bewitch and S Club 7 that you kind of find cute almost now. There's some of the later ones that have just pure bangers like Girls Aloud, Little Mix, Liberty X, Sugar Babes. I mean, Sugar Babes were really initially weren't quite that thing but they became that but i think great fucking massive club bangers listening to mystique the other day they were good um that kind of r&b smooth thing that the kind of garage thing that mystique had the the r&b thing of like blue or damaged or honeys and then you get the tacky crap like steps and atomic kitten which is rubbish and cheap and crap but it's at least a, like a little bit kitsch you know so you sort of laugh at you go this is harmless this is a bit a little bit kitsch so i don't hate any of this stuff particularly at all but then you have westlife and i have never heard a single solitary second of westlife that i don't think is incredibly dull sappy cheap sounding boring rubbish just fucking rubbish Apart from, we got a little world of our own. That's, that's uh, the only time. The only time they're all right. What is Everything it about else, What is it about Westlife? Is it, is it, the, is it the stools? The, is it the... the, the it's so boring. The, this is, it's so boring. Every song's a fucking ballad. Yeah. That, well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? That, the, as, as far as I'm aware. I mean, the thing is, I feel like I know so little about this kind of thing because whilst i grew up and all of these bands were omnipresent it was really difficult to uh get away from them i tried my damn hardest and like i am aware that westlife are one of the massive ones and continue they remain massive they released an album last year in 2021 you know which seemed to do all right not critically critics fucking hated it but it seemed to do okay for them um and i am aware that they are very very ballady um but beyond that oh and then there was that song they did the raise me up song which i kind of does actually give me a little tingle for some reason like a spine tingling thing i don't know why um but bar that i mean i don't really know i i I find it very difficult difficult to distinguish all of these manufactured pop acts personally but but your reason for disliking Westlife specifically is because they are very sappy, ballady. Is that what it is? Yeah, boring. They're, they're just boring. The music's boring. I don't want. I mean, it's, I've I've talked about like 
a certain era of modern pop music and this is not what this is at all but i just don't know why you'd want to make pop music so boring i get that you have to have a ballad here and there i get that west life is all it's ballads and covers that's all it is that's all it is and they're so fucking bland like mm. you know like i say you know the difference between richie in five and abs in five because Abs was walking around with his hat on the side and a bandana and low slung jeans, whereas Richie was like clean cut. So you go, oh, well, they're, they're different, right? You know the difference between Mark Owen and Robbie Williams. You can tell that those two people are different, right? You can tell the difference between Bradley from S Club 7 and Rachel Stevens from S Club 7. Do you know what I mean? Like, you go, <laughs> okay at least there is like some semblance of yes they've all come off the manufactured pop train whatever but there are some like a1 for example i don't even know i can't remember what a1 sang or what they look like i can't remember anything about them right but they haven't sold 55 million records yeah so i, I and you know and they were probably doing the same thing you look at westlife you just go how 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 have you managed to sell 55 million records the dullest people in the world the dull you should be working in a fucking post office you shouldn't be selling 55 million records you're so boring so unfathomably boring i guess people like ballads. i don't get it i guess people who aren't stephen hill like ballads though it's isn't, absolutely isn't that it? mad it's mad to me mm. so westlife annoy you so much more. In fact, you've, well, you've made a point that the other bands don't particularly annoy you these days at all. But Westlife still do. They, I, they I, really I would happily them. listen to a Boyzone or another one. I think a wank as well. Like, it does seem to be those to Westlife and Boyzone. A Boyzone two... still going? No, they're not. I, I don't know. Who cares? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Who fucking cares. Uh, um, <laughs> but all the other ones, like, I either just go, as huh, a you know a bit bit shit like atomic kitten a bit shit or i'm like you know what undeniably backstreet boys had some fucking bangers five had some fucking bangers they did like there's no getting away from it i don't care who wrote it who sang it or how auto-tuned it was don't care the actual songs are fucking great westlife just absolutely it's like wading through tar listening to their fucking endless sugary ballads like too much too much so i've always thought yeah westlife they're they're wank they're a big old steaming pile of wank, and I cannot fathom how they are so popular. Absolute nans. They are your nans. They are your nans. I don't mean your nans like them. They are your nans. <laughs> your nan, who gave birth to your mum or dad, it's it's her dressed up in a, a, a suit, sat on a stool with a, a nice boy's face drawn on uh, on a paper plate, on a bit of cardboard that she's put on her face that's what westlife are they're they're they're, they're nans some benjamin button shit going on with these pricks <laughs> i mean that's certainly it does feel like that that's is that the demographic they're trying it feels like nowadays they appeal to middle-aged women now in general obviously there would be, be well, people outside of that as well but yeah. like i wouldn't be surprised if that you know people who buy albums from sainsbury's you know yeah <laughs> um which is fine oh yeah yeah but that that I, I bought chinese democracy from sainsbury <laughs> yeah same same crowd same crowd that they're playing you know and and but that is that is the demographic isn't it and and you know mm. you've got to admit they have captured that demographic fantastically well i mean if they're a band who've played wembley arena the most times in the history of wembley arena that is a 
very sad statistic, but there we go. Yeah. I mean, they, they've, they've obviously been extraordinarily successful at it. Mm. Yes, they have. Now, just as a kind of brief potted history to get to this point, um, their debut single, Swear It Again, went in at number one and became the biggest selling debut single by a band ever in the UK singles chart in the first week. So sold more in the first week than any other debut single by any artist ever. So when was this? This is like 1998? April 1999. 99, okay. Yeah, okay. so how did, how did this happen? Well, the band were put on all manner of TV shows, including the Smash Hits Pole Winners Party. They were put on that before they actually had anything out. They opened for Boyzone, another one of Louis Walsh's lot, as discussed. Uh, Ronan Keating was given the job as co-manager of Westlife, which I imagine was just to, you know, he probably didn't, he probably wasn't doing the fucking budgets for him and stuff like that yeah. making phone calls to go can we come and play your he wasn't doing that i very much doubt he wasn't doing any kind of negotiations yeah he was very you... much a sort of tokenistic manager right you get executive producer roles on some films or tv series which sometimes are like that they just put a big name in to give the project clout <laughs> but in terms of the day-to-day what they do that's not to say they're all big names who executive produce stuff do that but right. it is the the title to say ronan keating didn't do anything probably i imagine he didn't do all that much no yeah Mm. uh they then opened for the backstreet boys in the uk as well so april 99 they get a big number one by the end of 1999 their fourth single had knocked cliff richards millennium prayer off the top of the charts and they were christmas number one with a double a side of i have a dream and seasons in the sun doing fucking abba covers already get the covers going in it lads um i thought the, the millennium the, prayer was the christmas number one wasn't it that was the that was the millennium number one it was the millennium number one my so bad went okay. back to, yeah okay and flying without wings their third single um that was their fourth single they had a debut album called westlife out as well which only peaked at number two in the uk which is a massive failure for them but in november so that's 2000... so that the one album out of their 12 which didn't get to number one is that oh and and this one oh okay yeah mm. in november 2000 so a year later the second album coast to coast beat spice girls forever to the top to the number one chart the, the, the what they were calling the biggest chart battle since um blur and oasis westlife beat spice girls helped by another cover this time with mariah carey featuring on their cover of phil collins against all odds do you remember that no rubbish i don't remember any of these things that you are i mean you know i'm sure if you played me these songs there might be a faint bit of recognition recognition um but i don't remember any of this i mean once we get to raise me up i'll go i remember that because i actually think raise me up for a song of its type is actually quite good but by that although raise me up is after this record isn't it so we're probably not going to get to it so you can assume before Oh, is it before? Okay, all right. Well, yeah, but for the most think... part, you can assume that I'm just going to go, no, I don't remember this, because okay, I agree with you. They're very, very bland. Yeah. yeah. In December 2000, uh, they were kept off the top of the charts for for a second Christmas number one with their song, What Makes a Man, by Eminem Stan. And at that point, you would think, right, that's good, isn't it? That was a win for good music, I think. 
Eminem keeping Westlife off the top of the charts. Hooray, good music. You would think the bubble was already starting to burst at that point because normally boy bands, once they don't get the number one, it just goes down. And But nope. November 2001 came around and they did a cover of Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. Oh, do you know what? I do remember their cover of Uptown Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's Very... funny how this weird serendipity keeps hitting this podcast. Because the last episode we did was on Billy Joel. Yeah. And uh, here he is again. We spoke about Uptown Girl and how it's kind of an annoying song in his hands. Yes. Even yes. in Billy Joel, who is better than Westlife. Much, much, much better than Westlife. It's a bit of an annoying song. So, Westlife doing it. The Westlife version is far more annoying than the Billy Joel version. Far more mm. annoying. Yeah. But the album World of Our Own went to number one again by this point they had sold 15 million records worldwide and in november 2002 again you know november comes around a fucking westlife album comes out just three and a half years after their debut single they'd sold 15 million records that's nuts isn't it absolutely nuts and they decided to release a greatest hits album which also (laughs) went to number one of course they did three and a half years after your debut single (laughs) You've got a greatest hits collection out. <laughs> yeah. But th- isn't this the case with lots of those manufactured bands? Yeah, or, or is it yeah. not? Okay, it is. I think yeah. it probably is, yeah. I mean, I think... I'm not sure. I mean, when they're that big and they're becoming that successful, like, you would milk the shit out of that. And they obviously exactly. did, didn't they? They milked the shit out of it. And it's your own... Stu- you, Yes, you listener, you Westlife listener who just happened <laughs> upon this podcast. It's your own stupid fault that this keeps happening because you kept buying their fucking shit, didn't you? You kept buying it over and over again. So, of course, they're going to keep pumping out more and more of this filth, which is what happened. These morons didn't stop. just gone, do you know what? I've actually had two albums from them in the last two years. I don't need to buy a fucking Great Sit set with the songs that I already own from the other albums. But no, 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 no. Anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. In November 2003, another album came out. Uh, this time, the album's called Turnaround. Got to number one, obviously. Thanks in part to, yes, you guessed it, their cover of Mandy by Barry Manilow. For fuck's oh. sake. Even the things that they're covering. I mean, they start by covering ABBA. And you're like, quality. Mm. ABBA are great. You dip down a bit to Phil Collins. I quite like Phil Collins, but Phil Collins is probably not of the same quality overall as ABBA. Hmm. Then you go... Okay. Then you go to Billy Joel, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, mm-hmm. I would definitely take both of those two over Billy Joel overall, mm-hmm. and certainly Uptown Girl. Mm-hmm. And you've sunk low to the lowest of the lows, covering fucking Barry Manilow. <laughs> you wankers. You absolute bunch of wankers. Now, obviously, they didn't choose that, any of those songs, I'm sure. I'm sure they didn't because, you know, like paper plates with faces drawn on can't really choose what music they like, can they? They just do what they're told. But um, <laughs> but they did. They did. They, they That's what they did. So I, that's I what think brings... you have hit on something here, though. This is why I find it very difficult to have all that much animosity towards the five people, now four people, who make up Westlife because they are just pawns like they are just people who have quite nice voices and a modicum of talent in a sort of karaoke sort of talent show sense 
Yep. And there's absolutely fuck all wrong with that. That's absolutely fine. And I find it very, very difficult to have an awful lot of, um, you know, I, I, I find it difficult to be repulsed by them more i i i'm a little bit more incensed about the machine behind it although even incensed feels a little ott in this in this case i think around the time that this record came out i probably had far stronger feelings on it than i do now i'm pretty meh about it these days it's just it's just wank isn't it i mean it's not very good but it 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 is i mean this is this happens in every form of entertainment that you know you get loads of films that come out that are super 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 oh, popular slag off, slag off the marvel cinematic universe room if we go i mean i don't know i was thinking more something like i don't know something that gives you the same thing over and over and over again so but is inexplicably popular like i don't know the fast marvel and furious series <laughs> Fast and Furious series or something like that. I don't know if that's even fair, actually. I mean, that might not even be a fair comparison with this kind of thing. But I think a lot of people en masse want to know what they're going to get. They want to know that they're going to get a version of something that they have had before. They want something familiar. Yeah. But ever so slightly different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is it. I just think that, like, it feels a bit you know to get from i think we sort of said it with i don't know like you can get all fucking shirty and shitty about boy bands and blah 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 i mean you know in the 80s stuff like wham and duran duran were getting absolutely slaughtered and direct we did depeche mode and depeche mode were getting pelters from like the quote-unquote credible rock press or whatever but by the 2000s this is their equivalent mandy by barry manilow and that's a fair old drop. Yeah, and and also, you know, in terms of the Duran Durans and the Depeche Modes and stuff, I mean, they're writing the music. The music is coming from them. In terms of, you know, writers and all that sort of thing, I mean, we'll even, go on even to... Even take that and Bross. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We're writing their own music. Do you know what we'll, I mean? We'll, we'll go on to that in a little bit because there's a little bit of hypocrisy for that as we go on, but I don't feel like we're there yet. But yeah, mm. yeah, certainly, you know... Um, uh, I, I I often feel more in tune with, I mean, always. I, I don't know, you know, I've got all of these all of these CDs in the background if you're looking on the older YouTubes. And um, I I don't think just, I... Just seven Westlife albums. Yeah, really. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I know, own any albums by any, uh, by anyone who doesn't write their own music. Like, there, well, there might be like the odd one here and there, like the odd Korn album or whatever, but, you know... That's something which is quite alien to me, even though it's not to lots of other people, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a massive problem, but I just think the kind of the the like the the way this is churn- it's churned out. The Westlife get were churning shit out at a rate which is kind of it was a it was a new, it's a factory. It, it felt like a new way. I mean, you know, Stockade and Waterman have been churning out hits for fucking years and years and years before that in the 80s towards the end if you remember the sort of the latter part of the 80s where Stock Aitken and Waterman were just fucking omnipresent and yeah. every week it was Rick Astley or Kylie or Sonia or you know Jason Donovan or Craig McLaughlin or what, whoever they were doing all big fun or whatever and it was bad covers of songs you already knew and you're just like fuck me this is exhausting but never had one band churned out so much in such a short space of time and just 
had it lapped up to the to the you know to the tune of 15 million records yeah in the course of three and a half years yeah it becomes like a, it becomes more of a factory kind of thing and about putting out a product rather than putting your heart and soul into something um and you know i mean i mean what an original thought to have about boy bands um you know it's 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 not in the slightest it's it's because it's you know it's it's there is a there is a modicum of truth uh, towards like the worst that's what it is the worst that's what it is yeah but it's absolute worst that is what it is and i think with with westlife around this period particularly you are looking i think at the absolute the this the bottom of the barrel oh uh, undoubtedly and um certainly once we get to this album as well like i think uh pops uh what pop idol what the fuck was it called the pop first idol one? x factor had ju- like pop think, stars yeah I, i'm sure i'm sure like the first one of those programs has started around 2002 i want to say yeah so this album came out 2004 so you know that whole thing and i think a lot of people hadn't become well, they, fed up of that machine by that point mm. yet. Well, know. they they jumped on as we'll talk about in a little bit in a little minute. They they themselves even jumped on that I'm during sure this kind of promotion to this. So we get to two thousand and four. In March two thousand and four, the main name in the band, Brian McFadden, the lead one, the people that people knew the most certainly these days, left the band to spend more time with his family and do a solo career obviously now mcfadden had been in the news a fair bit he was married to kokotona as we discussed kokotona formerly of atomic kitten who had left the band and had won i'm a celebrity get me out of here in 2004 as well so they were a big happy celebrity couple thing so were yeah. they were they what like magazines like heat and stuff yeah, would have that. called the a power couple at this point is mm-hmm. that fair to say or is that a bit ott I don't know about a power couple, but certainly like the nation's sweethearts, if you like. And there was a period, I think, that maybe Brian McFadden was seen as the more successful one because he was in Westlife and Kerry Katona had left Atomic Kitten. Um, It's funny that, isn't it? Because Kerry Katona's, I I would say Kerry Katona's bigger than Brian McFadden now, surely. Well, when she won I'm a Celebrity, I think Uh, that was when that that flip started to happen. But then Brian McFadden decided to go solo. He did a... Um, he did a song with uh, Delta Goodrim from Neighbours and there was rumours about a relationship between the two of them which proved to be factual reality and Delta Goodrim <laughs> and Brian McFadden had a relationship and they were engaged and Kerry McFadden went off and became a reality TV star and Brian McFadden embarked on what as we all know now is a very very unsuccessful solo career because can you name a single Brian McFadden solo song Renfrey? I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask, but no, I can't. No, no, everybody's the wrong person to ask. <laughs> if that's if that's the the case, even Brian McFadden's children who can uh, name a single solitary song that Brian McFadden did. I can't yeah. think of a single one of them. Oh well, even Mark Mark Owen had uh, Clementine, didn't he? Clementine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you've spoken about this before, and I always, whenever you do that, I have vague recollections of it, but I don't really remember. Was it, was Marco in the one? I think he was on the cover, and I think it was a green cover, and he looked mm-hmm. a bit. He looked like someone the had green smeared man Vaseline on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, at least I vaguely yeah. recall what the cover, what the album artwork looked like, and I can't yeah. say that for Brian McFadden. I don't even know what Brian McFadden fucking looks like. I've no idea. Does he looks look like, like a member of Westlife. Oh. He looks like a member of Westlife. Yeah. Like so he basically plate. looks like uh, a brick wall and somebody's. D- 
drawn to some eyes on with this marker pen. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, but he left. You know, obviously this has got nothing to do with the album we're going to talk about, but because no. he left Westlife before it came out, and this is the first Westlife album without him. But you know, we have to put something vaguely interesting in this yeah. episode, don't we? So I thought I'd have a little bit of salacious celebrity gossip in there. It's a nice opportunity for you to use the notes for the Westlife biography that you were going to write, and mm-hmm. um, unfortunately wasn't published. So yeah, yeah that's, unfortunately that's good. not. Yeah, so Westlife going into this record are now four piece. So it's Paddy, Tommy, Kiernan, and Mark. Mark C, Mark C, my favourite one, Mark C. Obviously, that's not their real names. Doesn't matter what they're. I just made those names up. I've actually got. Remember, I've got. I've got three tabs open uh, next to my notes here, and it is the Wikipedia page for this album, the Wikipedia page for Westlife, and another tab that I've just written in the Google search: men's names. <laughs> so <laughs> don't tell people how the magic is put together i know so that's how the, ma- the magic happens like, yes wow. those are the guys and they decided now as a four piece i say they decided it was decided by Before someone of them yeah. they were going to make an album of swings covers as their fifth album which was a really novel and unique idea for the time because no one was doing that around that time were they no one was doing that oh no Let's just remind ourselves of that horrific period in time, Renfrey, probably kick-started by that little shit cunt, Robbie Williams. <laughs> that little smarmy little shit cunt, Robbie Williams, released in the album Swing When You're Winning, at the yeah. height of his popularity. Mm. We had the arrival of the likes of Mick Bubble as they call him on Pop Collaborate and Listen, Michael Bublé and Jamie Cullum. Jamie Cullum came swooping in, didn't he? Came in playing jazz piano, but wearing jeans. What a rebel. <laughs> and a jumper. And a shirt, a, a jumper under a shirt, over a shirt. Something. No tie. <laughs> floppy hair. What clothes was he wearing and in what order? I'm confused. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter. He was a jazz rebel. Basically. But he was, yeah. But yeah. it was a renaissance of this particular style happened in a big way in the mainstream. You got to swing when you're winning. I've also found I tried to find a bunch of other ones. Now, trying to find old celebrities and washed up singers doing their ver- there, there was loads of them. And I tried to I remembered a few of them. So you've got Swing When You're Winning, obviously. Standards by Seal. Oh, you know, Kiss Moreau still Sil yeah, yeah, did yeah. one. You think Sil would be quite good at that because Sil is quite a good singer, right? So you think Sil would probably yeah. be able to do that. Rock Swings by Paul Anker with Bon Jovi doing My Way on that record. That was another one. Who the fuck's Paul Anker? Paul Anker, he's um, like a sort of an American, just an American knobhead. I don't know what he's in studies. <laughs> I think he's like an actor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Bolton Swing Sinatra by Michael Bolton, released in 2006. Okay, yeah. Which is Michael Bolton. Um, Very talented, Michael Bolton. More talent than every member of Westlife combined. Oh, definitely, say. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swinging, a tribute to Sinatra, released by Bobby Davro and Kenny Lynch. Wow. Bobby Davro doing Sinatra covers. What could possibly make anyone involved in that think i think you'd have a massive existentialist crisis if you were working on a sinatra tribute album fronted by bobby davro wouldn't you go my life's work is of such such little value what like the the most 
pointless way to live my life. I've just I got can't a think massive of a headache from you describing it. To be honest, I can't think of a more worthless pursuit that you could spend your time, <laughs> your precious short time we have on this planet, and you are spending it playing trombone <laughs> in the as part of the band with Bobby Davro covering Frank Sinatra songs when Frank Sinatra songs are readily and commercially available to all at all times. Could be Shane Ritchie doing it. I mean, that could be worse. He oh, probably he did. Worse? I don't know. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. One of my best friends uh, worked with Shane Ritchie for a long, long time in Panto. And uh, apparently he's a knob. Hmm. So there you go. I can believe that. Yeah. Chasing Dreams by Bradley Walsh. Oh, it's when you Bradley get the, Walsh. it's when you get the like ITV celebrities doing it that I really start to bulk at just the horridly insipid Yeah. This yeah Do you wanna do you want a fun fact about Chasing Jeans by Bradley Walsh? I'll have a Should fact. I don't know if it'll two, be fun, but let's 2016. go. Two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah. That late. Fucking hell. So Chasing Dreams by Bradley Walsh. It came out in 2016, and it made Bradley Walsh the UK's top-selling new artist of 2016. <laughs> so don't say music is dead. <laughs> don't say music is dying or in trouble, <laughs> because when we've got young, cool artists like Bradley Walsh coming up in 2016. <laughs> oh, the charts are fucked, aren't they? They're all fucked. They're just Definitely. fucked. Yeah. Uh, if I Can Dream by Terry Venables released a single, the Terry former England, England manager. The Christmas <laughs> Album by Chris Kamara. That's Chris Kamara from Soccer Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Chris Kamara, the man who could barely talk on Soccer Saturday, did a kind of swing version of Christmas songs. Why? And finally, predating all of this, in 2002, Ron Atkinson did come fly with me um <laughs> because you know ron atkinson isn't it <laughs> yeah it's just that is just a selection of the shite the shit the crap the crud the filth the nonsense the waste the appalling turd that was released that came out from that period. Now, let me say, I love a lot of this stuff, these songs, right? I was in Guys and Dolls at college, playing Nathan Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, Sinatra's part in the movie with him mm-hmm. and Brando. Mm-hmm. And I really ended up loving those songs towards the end of it. I was when also you see a guy, a guy the in the sky, you can bet that he's doing it for some doll. So we should release now. We should release a swing album, shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, it's good old reliable Nathan. Nathan, 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 uh, and the musical. people all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Sit down, you're rocking, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're See, we could do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If fucking Chris Kamara and Bobby fucking Davro can do it, I reckon Riot Act swings. We're going to Riot Act, the swinging music <laughs> podcast. 
In fact, should we just should we just admit it now that this entire Broken Records project has been gearing up towards us doing this so that yeah. we can unleash our swing album on the public mm-hmm. uh, coming Christmas 2022? Yeah. I'd be well up for that. We just try and do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. We'll yeah. Get, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll get uh, Mikey from Sixth involved in that as well. Sure. <laughs> He'll love it. He'll love it. <laughs> he definitely will. So I also, the year before that, I was in the Thripney Opera, Bertolt Brecht's of Thripney Opera. Uh, that's the one with Mac the Knife and Oh, the knifey. Murders it. All that. Yeah. And look, you know, the Rat Pack stuff, don't listen to it loads, but Frank Sinatra is a fucking incredible voice. Mm-hmm. An incredible vocalist, incredible singer. I got to say, although Tony Bennett, I take Bennett. Bennett's the unsung hero of that era of stuff. Tony Bennett's the fucking man. He's amazing. I used to listen to Tony Bennett quite a lot when I was a kid. My granddad liked him a lot. I love. I got. I got. I got mad respect for Tony Bennett. He's great. I, I always liked Dean Martin. I thought Dean Martin uh, had a, just a quality to his voice mm. that I just thought was excellent but certainly um tony bennett wasn't one of the rat pack wasn't he was he mm. but but he but he he did that kind of thing um but certainly there's something about that era you said it in the past about motown um something along the lines of you don't trust anyone who doesn't like motown there's just something about motown that just makes you feel happy there's something about it which ignites a primal instinct in you which just makes you feel good and i think a lot of these rat pack type numbers and those swing type numbers from a lot of the songs on here are from 30s 40s and 50s maybe even go out to 60s as well but their original incarnation certainly are 30s 40s 50s and there's just something about them that big band swing thing which is very irresistible um, although certainly, yes, as you've already mentioned, there are an awful lot of musicians slash ITV <laughs> daytime stars who try to ruin it for a lot of people. But as you said right at the beginning of all this, I think really the primary person we have to blame for it is Robbie Williams. Because swing when you're winning, I rem- I mean, I'm, I have a p- particular aversion to this because swing when you're winning came out when I worked at Virgin Megastore. and uh consequently i have heard swing when you're winning the fourth robbie williams album i think more times than i'd care to say because they used to just put it on repeat and it it became a kind of christmas tradition for a short while as well It, it turned into a christmassy thing i think because the Rat Pack did quite a few of those Christmassy numbers. For some reason, it's become a bit of a Christmassy type yeah. thing to it. Buble. Buble and all that kind of stuff. Oh, oh, it's coming round to Christmas. Let's record an album and put it out for Christmas to try and, you know, get loads and loads of sales. Basically, it's all a money-making exercise and there's no actual... Um, I don't know. There's no passion put into it whatsoever except for the passion to make moolah. Well, I will say this of Robbie Williams one. Now, I'm not going to... I don't... No, you don't need to swing when you're winning, right? But Robbie Williams, when you look at the list of people that are involved in the Robbie Williams one, Bill Miller, who was Frank Sinatra's pianist for many years, plays piano on that. You've got people like Harold Jones, who was a great jazz drummer. Um, 
you've got um, Wayne Bergeson, I think his name is, who has done loads of film soundtrack work and worked on a load of that music. From if you go through the personnel, I'm not going to go through everybody on it, but I do remember being like, wow, he's actually, you know, the 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 cast of people that he has put together, yeah, to play on that particular um, album. It, it's put together with a lot of, at least a say a lot but with 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 some knowing of you know like these people will know how to create the musical template i mean obviously you know he's got like nicole kidman on the album as well i think rupert everett do a song with him he's got like yeah rupert everett's on it Um, jane horrocks was on it is she was she Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i suppose yeah she was in a bunch of okay fine um the um what's his name that uh oh he's one of those guys that you recognize all the time um john lovitz john lovitz he's one of those guys what, from fucking yeah he's in rat race he's in loads of things he's in the comedian john he's in yeah the wedding singer yeah yeah, like yeah. John lovitz. he's uh, on it yes he is well i take it all back then um <laughs> that is an odd thing to do <laughs> yeah he's on um well did you ever it's just the seventh track which was written by cole porter yeah he's on it what a bizarre thing to do but yeah you're yeah. right i mean you know like but okay orchestra wise i do know that robbie williams put a pretty good thing together which they just haven't done on this have they before we get into it they haven't really bothered well yeah i I mean i understand what you're saying there's an authenticity to 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 robbie williams's swing when you're winning even though my god i never need they they can't they none those people cannot make up for robbie williams basically no no and also i mean in this particular i mean the person who did the orchestrations and the arrangements for allow us to be frank is actually dave arch who do you know anything about dave arch steve dave i don't arch. know yeah no, I don't think I do. he currently does the orchestral arrangements for strictly come dancing so he is a, you know okay. he, he is obviously very talented and knows what he is doing i think um the thing is is i can't imagine he did all that much to the arrangements because like why uh, th- there's not a lot that has been changed for these versions of the songs at all yeah is, yeah is there anything at all i mean i was being kind by saying there isn't a lot it doesn't feel like it just feels like he's got a bunch of people together with the sheet music and re-recorded it and yeah i i don't think there's anything wrong with the arrangements on this record but there's but they're not like they're no different from they the were pretty perfect they're pretty much perfect like exactly say. like there why would you things, change them there are certain things where you go well that's there's no point you yeah trying to fiddle with this because yeah and certainly not to sell it to a westlife audience like what is no. the fucking point no. um now in terms of we've spoken i think we've spoken more about the recording of this album ourselves than maybe westlife ever did <laughs> because there is obviously nothing to denote why they decided to make the record or how it was put together these are things that were just given to them and they were told to do it to make a bunch of money essentially that was what this record is um as you mentioned it was recorded in the london rockstone studio the 60 piece orchestra there are actually only three frank sinatra songs on the record which makes the title look really fucking stupid stupid cunts do you know what that is the thing that has annoyed me about <laughs> this really album annoying. the most so 
most of the yeah I, I didn't actually i didn't actually count it up but i was looking at them i was like well i don't think frank sinatra ever sang ain't that a kick in the head for example you know smile was nat king like the nat king cole version is the version that they're probably ripping off that was originally from charlie the charlie chaplin film modern yeah. times michael jackson of course mm-hmm. did a cover of smile a very insipid cover of smile i have to say um you know and, and yeah there are there are sinatra songs or, or the well i have to rephrase that as well there are songs associated with frank sinatra on here but the majority it, it's kind of a shit pun to begin with made even shitter by the fact that most of the songs on here don't have anything to do with frank sinatra bar at all bar the fact that his some of his mates sang them and you know the other reason that annoys me i don't mind a shit pun but if a shit pun is an inaccurate as well that Mm -hmm. really fucks me off Mm -hmm. because then you'll get a lot of people who who aren't very au fait with music and stuff like that going oh all these frank sinatra covers and like they're not frank sinatra covers like the majority of them aren't so it just it just (laughs) spreads a load of misinformation amongst admittedly probably fairly stupid people um but it just spreads a lot and this is kind of like how these the this is how these um errors occur by these stupid things that are just released in the for the sake of earning lots of money you know it's like yeah that i mean i'm gonna tell you right now and i i I don't know if this is even uh uh, an appropriate thing to say or not but that is the thing that's fucked me off about this album the most the title (laughs) it really annoys me really it's crap it's crap so um one little bit that i can add in terms of the making of the record is the band wanted to have a female vocal on the album during their cover of the way you look tonight so there was a tv show called she's the one where Kate Thornton presented an audition process to find the singer on that one song. I found it on YouTube, Renfrey. I didn't ask you to watch it because I'm your friend. (laughs) And I wouldn't do that to you. But it's not great. I watched a bit of it. Unbelievably, Westlife are not the most offensive thing on it, as it has Katie Price singing live on it, who is hugely different to the rest of the... It's all kind of swingy stuff and then katie bryce just comes along in a bloody thong and thrusts her fanny around for a bit and then fucks off and you go oh okay some euro like it's awful didn't she release a single around that she did she did she did a whole her and peter andre did a whole new world together which i think might have been a little bit later oh and then she also did she did a eurovision might have been this year or the year after but she she entered into eurovision and it was bad some or yeah as you say some awful euro dance type mm. thing it was terrible yeah really quite bad and um you'd think that would be the worst thing on it but no kevin spacey sings bobby darren on it so that's aged well that's not aged so well to be honest but it is oh, absolutely awful mainstream saturday night itv bullshit it's terrible they come on this thing ain't that a kick in the head they all sound the same simon sounds like ruben ruben sounds like mikey mikey sounds like baldrick baldrick <laughs> sounds like simon like if i think that it doesn't matter what their names are they've got the same voice they've got the same face they're just the same they've got no personality doesn't matter i don't know their names i don't want to know their names i don't care 
But the audience scream every time one of them starts singing. The audience scream like they've just heard fucking Jesus being born. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, like they, they really scream. People who watch ITV. People who watch ITV. Fucking idiots. They then get asked why they tried, uh, why they they've decided to do this audition process to get an unknown singer in, and nice boys aren't they? I think it's um, I think it's Paulie who says, um, Paulie, it's say it's not it's not his name, but whatever, um, says that they wouldn't be anything without their fans, and the noise that the crowd makes sounds like someone's dropped a fox in a chicken coop. <laughs> 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 it's honestly, like. A bomb's gone off. It's, oh, we wouldn't be anything without our fans. <laughs> awful, awful. Uh, then they do a little skit where Kate Thornton, who's hilarious, surprises the boys by bringing their dads out uh, and has their all four members' dads come out and they sing That's Life. And they're shite. They're absolutely shite. What, the, 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 oh, Westlife's oh, dads. Westlife's dads sing that stuff. Yeah. So your nan's dad. <laughs> What's the point? Your of that? nan's dads come out. Why? And okay. sing that's life. And they are rubbish. But at least the four of them sound different. I could tell the four of their voices apart. Do you know what I mean? And so are you different. saying that Westlife's dads are better? Than yes. Westlife, right? Okay. Yes. I mean, and they're terrible, and they all look about 185 years old. And I think one of them, Gus, is I think his name's Gus, the blonde, second blonde one, Gus. Don't care what his name is. His dad gets up off his stool and starts having a little boogie around. It's quite embarrassing. Oh, it's yeah. fucking awful. But hey, that's why you pay your license fee, folks. You have so to you pay have... your license fee for ITV. But that's fine. Exactly. So you pay your license fee, so you don't have to watch ITV. <laughs> Anyway, nice. at the end of it, they find a girl called Joanna, Joanne Hindley, 25, from Bolton, yeah. who has gone on, has gone on, Renfrey, do you know what she's gone on to do? I don't have a clue, but I Absolutely can't wait. Absolutely nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah. She's got no Wikipedia page, she's got no album, she's got no other things that she's been on. She's got an IMDB page, which just has her appearance in this programme, that's it. Right. She's done this. She's done this. That's all she's done. She's the most warbly one. I saw some of the auditions. She's the most warbly. She's that typical warbly one. And she's the one who is dressed. How can I put this nicely? Oh. Um, well, I can't. She's the <laughs> sluttiest looking one, basically. <laughs> they pick the one that they can all go at the most. If you put a little bit more effort in, you probably could have found a nicer way to say that. But yes, I understand what you mean. She's the yeah. most scantily clad. Is that absolutely the most scantily clad she's okay. the sort of slimmest she's got the most makeup on she's got the blondest hair and <laughs> okay <laughs> she's the fittest one basically okay. okay what a surprise and simon cowell sits there ogling at her in the front row pathetic but anyway that's uh that's basically how the album came about good eh yeah what a shame what a shame we should get into some reviews so the bbc gave it a fairly dismissive yeah, not too scathing review, saying, Alas, Westlife aren't a match for the original Rat Pack. Frank Sinatra, Dean, Ma- Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. et al. were charismatic playboys and serial philanderers who would raise hell in Hollywood and Vegas alike. In fact, they courted tabloid controversy 
but this, then this was always part of their appeal. Conversely, Westlife are a market man's dream and owe their success more to their clean-cut image. No gambles have been taken with the selections of the songs either. All the classics are in situ. That's life and ain't that a kick in the head supply. The rabble-rousing big band sound, whilst Fly Me To The Moon, When I Fall In Love and Moon River provide the more wallowing love songs. The catchy big band swing will no get, doubt get Granny dancing on Christmas Day after one too many helpings of Sherry Trifle, but it's doubtful that this album will appeal to the band's core teenage audience. Westlife really should have stuck instead of twisting. If it's a rat pack you want, put your money on Frank, Dean and Sammy. Stylist magazine gave the album an F and gave it a pretty scathing review saying the Rat Pack consisted of a mobster, an alcoholic and a Satanist. One of the biggest megalomaniacs in the history of the music industry. One of the most fallible pop stars of all time and a man who nearly had to play every gig of his adult life in the shadows of threats from the KKK. Westlife, on the other hand, contained a guy who had a trial for Leeds United. The Rat Pack of Charisma, Westlife are a celebration of vanilla. It's a recipe for failure, but only in the actual enjoying the album sense. Commercially, these songs, all of which are suitable only for advertising cooking sources, will shift in the same huge numbers that Westlife always have, despite their inability to bring any emotion, presence or mastery to the stage or voices to these songs. Of course, there's some good stuff on this album. The writing. There, there are still, by and large, perfect songs, but lounge music was the hip-hop of its day. And these tunes are nothing without a charismatic performer to carry them off. It's the difference between D. Martin and Andy Williams, N.W.A. and The Roots, harsh on The Roots, Diego Maradona and Phil Neville. A perfunctory run-through of That's Life ends the album and it's far more travel lodge than sands. William Blake's view on the nature of man that there was a constant battle for possession of the soul between good and evil. Two natures contained within the same essence of every being. Louis Walsh's ability to deliver this album in the same months as Girls Aloud's What Will the Neighbours Say is conclusive proof for this case still great title no uh no no mtv really asia, fucking annoying title. really really bad mtv asia gave it four out of ten saying the boys don't bring anything new to their collective interpretations of these well-known and well-loved songs in fact they come off sounding like cheap and bland imitations of the original the producer's album steve mack would probably have done better to allow each of the guys handle one song alone instead of letting them uh, take on each number as a group this way each of the boys would have had a chance to show uh, show well they could shine just have had a chance to show well they could shine as solo singers how well they should shine really that's what you should have said that's a that's a review from 26 years ago and they still got a fucking spelling mistake up on it anyway okay <laughs> or grammar mistake uh with all of them being lumped in together they have been listeners to this new group have no way of telling apart which part was sung by whom yeah, it just goes mm. to show how unimpressive and uninspired the boys are as individual singers. Entertainment, i.e., gave it two stars, saying, what exactly is going on here? Boy bands who lose a member are supposed to do the decent thing and break up six months later. Instead, Mark, Shane, Nikki, and Kean don't know if that's their real names, have <laughs> slicked back their hair, got some new suits, and inflicted yet another Rat Pack karaoke album on the long-suffering public. Allow Us To Be Frank is just as excruciating as the cutesy title suggests, an all-too-predictable set of Sinatra, Dino, Sammy Jr. standards, given the trademark Westlife big bland treatment. It's all very polished, of course, but even if you do like these songs and want to hear contemporary versions, Robbie Williams did it so much better a couple of years ago. Suddenly, you can see why Brian felt that he needed to leave. Um, Rovi, a website called Rovi, gave it two stars, saying, Coming just three years after Robbie Williams' similar swinging when you're winning and the pop idol comp- compilation of big band classics. Oh, yeah, that was happening at the time as well, wasn't it? The old big band pop idol shit as well. God. Yeah, it provides. Mm. 
It provides more ammunition for their critics who describe them as nothing more than the subservient puppets of Simon Cowell. Having never expressed any interest in the genre before, allow us to be frank, clever puns aside, feels like a lazy and unimaginative cash-in from a band who, thanks to cover tracks by Barry Manilow, Cliff Richard and Phil Collins, aren't exactly renowned for their cutting-edge innovation. Indeed, whereas Williams' old-school effort featured Hollywood-style collaborations and self-penned compositions in an effort to distance itself from the inevitable karaoke criticisms, Westlife, unsurprisingly, surprisingly play it completely safe opting for 13 of the most iconic if obvious swing standards backed by a 60-piece orchestra the arrangements of mac the knife ain't that a kick in the head and fly me to the moon are undeniably faithful and respectful interpretations while Phylon and fihi's best sinatra impersonations on the likes of come fly with me and moon river aren't as cringeworthy as you might expect but even though it's no disgrace the question inevitably arises why would anyone opt for a second-rate tribute album instead of the real thing I'm going to just let that hang heavy in the air like a guillotine over Bobby, <laughs> Terence, Marky and F- Philop's neck for a second. Philop? Um, <laughs> Philop. Yeah, Philop. You know, Philop from West Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philop. Philop McGirrigaddy. He's yeah. the second brunette one, probably. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The um, one that looks like a paper plate. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for a bit of balance, the Irish media outlet RTE gave it four out of five. Grow up. But seem to have deleted their review for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Right, yeah. why. Um, the album peaked at number three in the UK album charts, marking it a fucking disaster <laughs> for <laughs> everyone involved. You can imagine the meeting with Louis Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely furious. Just the, t- yeah. just the two new private jets this year, Simon, I'm afraid. <laughs> It has depressingly, though, gone on to sell 600,000 copies in the United Kingdom. That's twice Platinum Renfrey. And it was the 24th best-selling album in the United Kingdom in that year. Fuck me. But anyway, that's what they all thought about it. That's how it did. Renfrey, what do you think about Allow Us To Be Frank by Westlife? You've more or less summed up. I mean, everything that has been said in all of those reviews, um, I don't really have anything new to add. So let's just labour those points. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, let's just repeat uh, the 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 work of better men, just like Westlife have been doing themselves. Um, I I mean, yes, really, it boils down to what is the point of this and all the the most creative people involved with Westlife and many bands of this ilk not all of them but many bands of this ilk um all they are thinking about is the financial bottom line and due to the due to swing when you're winning being an absolutely massive hit for Robbie Williams like we said we got so many of these records coming out um and it is just yeah it is all just about making money isn't it and you know sadly I mean it did do what it was supposed to do maybe not to the extent that they wanted it to but 600,000 copies in 2004 that's not too bad the 24th best-selling album of the year that isn't bad like like I, I, I imagine they were relatively happy with that maybe not as happy as they would have been I suppose this makes it one of their least uh, successful albums in that sense but it's still very successful, didn't it? I'm sure it still made 
Westlife and the people around them lots of money and that is that is the purpose of it so in terms of sometimes we talk about our records broken you know do they do what they've set out to do I think we have to admit that this more or less has done what it set out them to do and that's to make the members of Westlife and people around them lots and lots of money um I think yeah like a lot of those reviews said the the thing is the songs on here are fantastic almost all of them down you know all 13 pretty much are all fantastic songs and whenever one thing that's very interesting about this whole swing revival thing every single cover from them that i can recall anyway and there may be a few exceptions but almost every time people would cover era uh, songs from that era they would be really straight ahead covers which would barely fuck around with the arrangements at all now why is that well why fuck around with perfection or cl- or near enough to it that there is something very special about those songs and i do i i i, I, I in this particular case i'm grateful that you know they didn't choose to do something really wacky and strange with the arrangements because they would have inevitably fucked it up because there isn't an awful lot of creativity there's probably as much creativity in all four members of Westlife as there are in Brian May's toe you know um and they wouldn't have been able to do anything interesting with them so actually in this particular case whilst we've discussed covers before and a lot of the time both of us have said if you're going to do a cover there's not what's the point in doing a straight ahead cover I think it's a blessing in disguise of sorts that these are straight ahead covers the arrangements are almost almost identical i think they probably i've not ab'd them but they were almost exactly identical to the originals that you would have heard uh being performed by either dean martin or frank sinatra or nat king cole or sammy davis jr or whatever and in this particular case that is a good thing i think because you don't want to fuck with that stuff too much i don't think um the the performance the performances that westlife give in my opinion are perfectly fine on this record but that's all they are they are imitations one of those reviews mentioned karaoke which is absolutely what i was gonna say. this is karaoke um and but the only reason why the job that the members of westlife do are, are absolutely fine it's because they mimic to the letter to the syllable in lots of cases the performances that they would have heard in the originals so it really is karaoke um and the, you know they're slight they're they're a bit blander than the originals and they're a little bit wetter as well you particularly notice it being a bit wetter in the slower songs so i found it slightly cloying in moon river for example where it is you know quite quite wet but because they're imitating those originals or even i mean in some cases they weren't even the originals fly me to the moon for example yeah. you know frank sinatra wasn't the first person to sing that song his version you mentioned became... smile as well you mentioned smile which yeah obviously with the charlie chapters you know tons of versions of that so even even talking about the Rat Pack versions, whether they're, whether they're the originals or the versions that people know, you know, they have taken those versions and gone, let's just do them exactly like that. Which then does raise the question, what is the point of this? 
and I suppose it's you know that's for Westlife fans, isn't it? Who are too lazy to find out about the originals, and which is you know fine. Yeah, and somebody want. said to me yesterday, well, it was actually my mate while I was around, kind of berating his wife about liking yeah, Westlife. I, yeah, that, she yeah. said he was like, well, you know, maybe people will go away and go, oh, I like this type of music. Maybe I'll go and check out Frank Sinatra and blah 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 and all this. And I was like, I just don't think most Westlife and then he went actually yeah you're right they'd probably think the Westlife version was better yeah um well well the YouTube comments for these songs are very depressing (laughs) when you kind of I mean I haven't even bothered to note some of them down but like yeah when you're getting people saying like oh these voices are better than you know the original then frank sinatra's original for a song that frank sinatra never even sung it's just like oh for fuck's sake you don't even know what you're talking about um but but the but you know because they have stuck so close to the letter i i told you just prior i didn't talk too much about this record with you because i wanted to go in fairly fresh but i did say to you that i had a perfectly fine time with this record because the songs are brilliant and because westlife are aping the the versions that i am familiar with and the versions that most people are familiar with so closely i don't find it all that offensive i can tell the difference but i will i will say that they are doing a good impression of dean martin or frank sinatra or Nat, or you know whatever the song is that like they can pull that off whether there's any point to that beyond making some people shit loads of money I don't think there is at all. No. But no. we've listened to so many records on Broken Records, which I've found painful and difficult to get through, particularly the time of year. We're recording this kind of right at the beginning of January, where these songs have become very synonymous with Christmas for whatever reason. And I, I found it, it's, what is it, 39 minutes, something like that. I found it perfectly fine, if ultimately pointless. That's probably that would yeah. be, that would have been a really quick way to sum up what I felt about this. But I chose to go around the houses with it as I always do. It's a funny thing, yeah. isn't it? Because I cannot believe that anyone ever living would go. I prefer Westlife's version to Nat King Cole or Frank Sinatra or whoever. Right? I, 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 or you know, Bobby Darren's version of Matt the Knife. Ah, oh, the Westlife version's better. Are you mad? No, surely no. Because I, I kept thinking to myself, like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, they don't... This this is, you know, particularly when you think of who's behind it, Simon Cowell and Louis Walsh ultimately behind it, and how cheap so much of the stuff they make. You know, we spoke about the Eogan album, how cheap that was. Simon Cowell's a product that Stock Aitken and Waterman stuff, which are, you know, the most tinny, cheap Casio keyboard sounding shit you can ever fucking imagine. You know, I like... I, certain bits of those songs i don't even mind but but this actually sounds fine i was about about to say i wasn't sure where you were going there with that but 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 compared to so you mentioned yogan quig who was kind of like you know uh uh, uh, a kindred spirit in that sense in the the stockman aiken walkman type stuff um and 
yeah the, the something that i was pleasantly surprised by the fact that they got a 60 you can hear that they've got maybe not a 60 piece orchestra in but you can hear that they got an orchestra in and they did it with an orchestra and all that sort of thing and whether it was live or not yeah. i don't know think- but at least it doesn't sound cheap it actually you know the arrangements are well done they're copied verbatim practically but they are well done like this is the thing it's it's sort of a tricky record because i find it totally pointless and completely it's a I, I i feel it's a complete waste of time but at least it's not put together badly in the l- yeah. like the yorgan quig record was you know that that is a badly put together record and this sounds good the one thing i will say about it where i am like mm, this is horrible is mm-hmm. that <clears throat> there's a real like you say like when you get people like bradley walsh and chris kamara and ron atkinson and people doing it it's like yeah you know i kind of feel like who the fuck do you think you are westlife you know paper plate face dickheads gavin charlie roberto and manuel all getting together like you fucking nobodies two blonde wigs and two brunette wigs paper plate face (laughs) insert any man's name here and you're going to sing some of the greatest songs ever made are you like frank sinatra the you know one of the greatest voices in the history of music bar none you're gonna just do their songs are you and the, 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 the sheer arrogance of these people to just be like oh yeah i can do that i'll just put a suit on slick my hair back and go, ain't that a kick in the head oh it's my way do you know what i mean it's like you, you sound like Bill Murray. You all sound like Bill Murray doing that sort of weird Saturday Night Live <laughs> compare character that he used to do. I was just looking. How many covers of Bohemian Rhapsody are there? Not many, right? Not, I mean, you know, not, not, many, not, not many serious bands have tackled Bohemian Rhapsody. Between the Buried and Me did it as an encore. I can see there. Hasty Dixie, that's not really... The Muppets. Pink did it um the flaming lips and there's a load of people i've never heard of who've done it before how many people have covered imagine again you know quite a lot and actually quite a lot of decent enough people have tried to cover elton john has done it live i mean we're that terrible version i'm not going to talk about but you know neil young did uh did imagine as well you know there's been a few people obviously pussifer was it not pussifer um Perfect Circle did a cover of Imagine, didn't they, on, on their album? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Literally no one's tried to cover that. No one, li- Nobody of any note, pretty much, whatsoever has even attempted to cover Man in the Mirror. Because why would you? Why would you do that? You are on a fucking hiding to nothing. And I do feel like these kind of real big pop songs um or rock songs people have a tendency to leave them alone they are like kind of sacred cows and i don't understand why songs of a similar quality but just from a different era and in a different style any old cunt feels like they can do it um i have a few theories i think a a little bit more time has passed and we might 
And I'm not totally convinced by my own rhetoric here, but we might find that give it another 20 years and there'll be a lot more people attempting some of those songs that you were talking about. But I think the main reason, though, is because actually whilst they are, you know, Fly Me to the Moon's an amazing song, uh, Ain't That a Kick in the Head is an amazing song, Mac the Knife is an amazing song, uh, they're not particularly, they're, they're easy to perform but difficult to perfect. I think that's the key thing. I don't think they're difficult songs. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is, is, a, is a tricky song to put together and there aren't lots and lots and lots of people who would be capable of putting all of those elements together and making it work and doing all of the parts and pulling it off. In terms of like, and I'm talking purely like the notes on the page, the musical notes on the on the sheet music or whatever... Fly Me to the Moon and Ain't That a Kick in the Head and all that, I, I don't think they're difficult songs to sing. I think they're difficult songs to make sound as good as the Rat Pack did. And there was also a certain mystique around the Rat Pack. One of those um, reviews talked about, you know, the controversies around the members of the Rat Pack and how that they were genuinely quite well that i don't know if you'd say they were dangerous people but they were people who mixed with lots of dangerous people certainly and they were i mean i think in some cases they were quite dangerous people oh, yeah. sinatra's a bastard isn't he yeah absolute yeah. bastard yeah yeah and there's certainly uh a draw and a, a bad boy image thing there and, and them being part of a gang and all of that sort of thing all of those elements which you don't get with westlife at all um i was gonna say you don't get it with many boy bands but then actually i mean you've mentioned stuff like five and th- things like that and maybe you do get it with some boy bands but but westlife mate remember never forget brian harvey running himself over <laughs> potato gate but that you know even that i know itv's come up a lot but e17 is an itv version of the web of the rat pack isn't it you know what i mean like there is something whether you're kind of I mean, God, the rat, they were of a time. I, I think if the Rat Pack came out now, there'd be all sorts of controversies with all the things that they did. And it's all kind of nostalgia in, in, in lots like, of ways. Like so solid crew, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Even God, that's 21 imagine. years ago. <laughs> I know. I know, I know. Um, how, how depressing. Um, yeah, but I, 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 there are so many... It's lightning in a bottle in a way, isn't it? And 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 you can redo those songs if you so choose. And those songs will never God, you'd have to be a total moron to fuck up those songs because they sound great because they're brilliantly composed and they're just there's something about them which is so so intrinsically fantastic that it's difficult to fuck that up and and i don't think that westlife have like fucked them up beyond reproach i but at the same time i don't understand why you would bother to do this i, I cannot money. i cannot understand how any human being i get it for money like for them there but you go well you, everyone likes these songs we'll do it but it's the thing you just go i cannot fathom a single human being sitting down and going i fancy listening to that and putting this on when there are the i mean i suppose in the days of cds they weren't as readily available in a collection like this as they are now i don't know i I remember at virgin megastore because swing when you're winning was such a huge huge thing um one of our uh, one of our like enterprising 
uh, customer assistance or whatever was like, why don't we order in shitloads of Frank Sinatra CDs, Dean Martin CDs, blah, 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 and put them next to the Robbie Williams thing uh, uh, album in the kind of hope. Because, you know, if you work at a record store, even somewhere like a Virgin records or 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 hmv or something like that most of the people there are music fans and it was kind of in the hope that like yeah you can get robbie williams swing when you're winning for 11.99 or whatever but you could also get frank sinatra singing these songs and there's 25 of them rather than 14 yeah, or whatever swing it's half the price it's like 4.99 you know mm-hmm. which again cd in 2001 and you know swing when you're winning still sold like shit loads compared to those cds we did get people buying both in some cases but it was quite a depressing sort of like mm-hmm. you've, you've got we've put something we've put the original which is far better <laughs> smack bang next to swing when you're winning it is less than half the price of the robbie williams one and you're still going to get the robbie williams one aren't you it's like the Nick, yeah. nicholas cage wicker man being put on a display <laughs> and you put in the original yeah edward woodward yeah wicker man for half the Dean. price goes, half the price but no, that's no, you know, I want the, the one the one with the bees the one with the like, not the bees not the bees but that's people people don't want the best they want the one that they know mm. yeah I mean, yeah, it's not awful. I just, I, I find myself going, because the, the music, you say, the songs are great. The, uh, the, the orchestra is actually, it doesn't sound cheap. It sounds fine. No. Sounds their really voices good. are perfectly, their voices do not move me in any way whatsoever. No. I don't find myself jigging along to it particularly. I'm just like, oh yeah, I know this song. But they, but they perform the annoying. songs perfectly competently, don't they? Perfectly competently. Yeah. I mean, like somebody in a is pub. the word. Yeah. Somebody exactly. in a working man's club on a Thursday night might do. Yes, absolutely. You know what I thought? Butlins. It's Butlins. Oh, yeah. And there are, there, there are plenty of like talented people at Butlins, but, you know, this they're is the big. They're not Frank Sinatra. But they're not Frank Sinatra. This, this is the big difference between. And even Frank Sinatra. I mean, this is the other thing that I was going to bring up. Like, we should point out that, like, the Rat Pack, they didn't write their own songs or anything like that. But there, but there was. It was this whole mystique and thing around them and the manner in which they performed those songs was was there was something special about that i think that's why people really were drawn to them as a not even as a group but just as a group of people used to hang around with each other and work together on stuff and you had you know them doing oceans 11 and all this kind of thing uh all those films and uh, there was just this strong mystique around it and yeah i mean copying it I mean, look, this happens in music all the fucking time. It's just it was it was really prevalent in this uh, pop manufactured era of just like, let's copy stuff that's gone before and we'll make more money from it yet again. And it still happens. It just doesn't happen to the same degree. But that's what I've always had an issue with. Like we had this discussion with like, what would you rather uh, I think you asked me Backstreet Boy, no Five or Adele, and I was like, I think Adele, and I think it, but I think it's down to that thing. I, I appreciate that Five are not as bad as Westlife in that sense, and they yeah, did have better. some songs which were theirs, not that they wrote them, but they were original Five songs, so to so to speak. Um, but it, I, I just feel like ninety percent of the time, I if I'm going to be served crap. I would much rather that it was original crap than reheated crap. Yeah, does that make I mean, sense? That's fair. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is that in just my normal day to day, whatever, 
I think this is bollocks. I think this is a bollocks load of old shit. But in the yeah. context of broken records, yeah, we're going to have to rank it. And I don't think it can really can't be very high at all. No, annoyingly. No, no. I, 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 I was a little bit worried because when we came into this, you were going on and on about how much you hated Westlife, and I was a little bit worried that you were going to turn around to me as like, oh, this has got to be a top twenty-one. And I was like, I don't know how I can, or, or something like that, you know. And I was like, I don't know how I can honestly put an album with these songs that high up in this mm. list how, how can you do that and, and i i personally whilst i would never ever ever choose to listen to these versions ever again n- nothing about this offended me that much it was just very bland it was just very yeah. bland and i will give we- i will give the members of westlife this whatever they're called tony barry scott and Larry Gordon, <laughs> Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will give them credit that they are very good mimickers they they mm. they can mimic what those guys do well enough, not well enough for me to not be able to tell the difference, but they they mimic it well enough for me to not be all that offended by it. Yeah, they're still pricks. Anyway, we're going to rank it in a minute. So what happened in the aftermath of this record? Well, it killed Westside's career, didn't it? No, again, obviously I say that every week. It never, these albums never do anything bad to these massive bands at all, no, do they? It's something I've started to learn. It doesn't actually make any fucking difference at all. Anyway, uh, in early 2005, the band went on tour. It was the 84th greatest grossing tour of the year worldwide. 84th, proving that the majority of this planet don't care for their shite <laughs> good uh but during that tour they each earned four million dollars four million dollars a piece man this album was definitely successful then in that case yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah not bad they returned in late 2005 you guessed it with another cover this time renfrey your time has finally come secret <laughs> gardens you raise me up is uh the cover um both daniel o'donnell and josh groban had already covered the song by the time westlife got their grubby little mitts on it and it's crap idiots fucking crap <laughs> fucking crap i don't care what you say fucking crap i don't think it's good um the only thing i would say about the that is it's the only westlife song that i've ever heard that makes me feel anything full stop which makes me feel anything that isn't total irritation does that make sense like it's the only it's the only westlife song that makes me feel anything really (laughs) like and and it doesn't make me feel like I would never like. I hate it. I'm just going to say sorry. I okay. can't hold that in anymore. It just won't. <laughs> go on. I, I, I mean, I I don't love it, and I don't particularly like it either. But when I look at the songs that I am familiar with with Westlife, that one sticks out to me as being a quote unquote good one, even if I don't particularly like it. If that makes sense. That's the nice. Still got to go for. We got a little world of our own. What am I doing without you? That's still the best one. I unfortunately, um, I even mean, that is a six out of ten. That is a six out of ten, and it's okay. comfortably the best thing they've ever done. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, their sixth album, Face to Face, came out in November two thousand five. Again, fucking November, so predictable. Yeah. Went to number it's, one. It's all. It's all to get Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that's is. when the that's when the fucking sales happen. I mean, I don't know if this. Is. Well, we are talking about this era, so this is relevant. Virgin um, used to lose money. Uh, Virgin Megastore used to lose money between January and September. And it was only the last three months of the year that they actually made money. It's the Christmas period that they make 
money so it's Jeez. all it's all it's money 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 that's all it is money money um I'm not going to go too much into the entire history of Westlife, but one thing I did notice that they did in 2008. <laughs> too late for that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> not anything after this record. They were asked to sing at Wayne Rooney and Colleen's, uh, Colleen Rooney's wedding reception in 2008 and were paid the pricey sum of £400,000 to do their wedding. For one gig. Well, fucking hell, for one gig. Colleen said that Westlife were her favourite band and uh, apparently her favourite member is Lucas. Which is weird because I've just made him up, but yet she says it is. <laughs> that's his favourite one, and I've just made up that she said that as well. So I don't know what an idiot she is. Yeah, it Rebe- and it was Rebecca Vardy all along. Um, <laughs> I- <laughs> oh, oh, I should love my own jokes um, that much, but you know. Anyway, on the 18th of October 2011, the band announced that they were going to split before embarking on a farewell tour in 2012. Didn't last long. They were formed in 2018 and been hanging about like a bad smell ever since. I'm um, sure, just to, just to, I'm sure them announcing they were going to split, I'm sure that was all to do with money as well. And I'm sure that was never actually on the cards at all. Well, they actually took a hiatus in 2008 they said oh we're taking a year hiatus they released an album said oh we're taking hiatus now and then they came back a year later and released an album like, like they normally did but they just said we're really we're having a hiatus and obviously people just went oh whatever and then when they went no now we're going to split and this is a farewell tour add five years off which when you sold 55 million records you can probably afford to take five years of your life exactly. off exactly so particularly yeah. when they're going to come back and do fucking stadiums which is yeah. what they did when they come back in 2018 um should say as well uh, Ed Sheeran's been writing for them. Pathetic. And Brian McFadden didn't join the reunion tour. There was some chat about Brian McFadden maybe coming back to join the band of the reunion tour. He doesn't sound like... He he said, uh, it's just a job to me. And I, I, I don't... I wish the boys well, but we were just sort of workmates. And why should I go back? Ooh, it's right. just a job so, to all of them. Like, everything they do is just a job, isn't it? Like, surely. I mean, that, yeah. That's why... It, that's. I mean, that's kind of why I kind of took against that whole um, scene of pop music, because it is just a job. Like, whether they... I, I think sometimes there are some people who get caught up in those bands who don't want it to just be a job, but it ends up just being a job because of the people that they end up working with. Yeah. And, you know i mean well and the fans i mean this is the thing i always say like when you see like quote-unquote stands of some of these bands like like something like bts oh they're talking about their being the most amazing artists in the world ever it's like beat even, even bts don't like their right bts don't like their music yeah. they're actually they actually sing and create it they don't like it yeah. they think you're they're laughing at you you fucking moron <laughs> yeah yeah probably, they absolutely probably. are but anyway westlife are back um just not with mcfadden it's the other original four so davy uh elijah benjamin and muhammad <laughs> uh, who cares doesn't matter what her name is fucking useless who fucking cares you all look the same you all sound the same you shit so let's rank this piece of shit Renfrey, it's like pop punk the isn't fuck it out of here. except without the paedophilia without the paedophiles <laughs> weird isn't it because you'd think this would be a better front for paedophilia <laughs> But actually, I think most of them are the victims of some sort of... They're getting bummed by their producers, doing this for a bit, starting up a pop-punk band, and thus the cycle doth continue. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Take that, Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, you idiot. Uh, 
Little weed. Uh, where are we going to rank this then, Renfrey? I'm looking at it now. <sighs> I don't know. It's hard, I isn't think it? It is quite hard. So here's what I'm going to say immediately. There's a bunch of things here which I think have legitimately good stuff on that I actually quite like or I am quite I, I feel quite warm towards. So the darkness I like as an album just like self portraits very good by Bob Dylan. This is starting from the very bottom. Oh. Lulu Metallica, we like that. Everybody's rocking by Neil Young. Funny, isn't it? Funny to see. That's a good thing to do. It's fine. Whatever. Metal Machine Music, sort of created a thing. One Up Minute, it's brilliant. Liz Fair, she got fucked over a bit. Not really fair. Mm, Really fucked over. There's one really great moment on Babylon Zoo, The Boy With X-Ray Eyes. Yes, there is. One superb moment. There is enough stuff on Lauren Hill, MTV 2.0 Unplugged that is at least interesting there's some heart there's at least there's some fucking heart to that record as well yeah standing in the spotlight and the transform man by dd king and william shatner respectively yeah. yeah both lovely baby woman yeah i think baby woman's good yep i think then you get to neon twang which is not a bad record really it's fine Just yeah kind of fine right kind yeah. of fine not great songs. Stooges of Weirdness, again, not great songs. Yeah. But kind of fine and sort of interesting enough. Yeah. Fisher Spooner 1, I thought, kept my attention for the majority of it. I can remember and, very little about Fisher Spooner 1, I'll be honest. No, no, but you, yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, like, it had a style and it had a thing and it was yeah. kind of fine. Yeah. Tin Machine 2 had a few bits on it which were obviously pretty rubbish pretty rubbish but it had bits and bobs which were redeeming as well yeah and then we do get to cute is what we aim for rotation which i think is a perfectly acceptable record Mm. but it's actually i mean really if you compare it song for song on the page this album should be much higher up of course yeah but we can't redo that so i think letting it dip down a little bit there's not loads of personality on rotation by Cute is what we aim for, and there's certainly not great songwriting. It's a perfectly fine ho hum pop punk record. Would you rather have a perfectly fine ho hum pop punk record or a perfectly fine ho hum boy band swing record? Now, I would say, due to the arrangements of these songs and due to the quality of these songs, I would probably unbelievably. Unbelievable. I would probably rather have this than cute is what we aim for. I was gonna say I exactly say. the same thing. If you if you t- if you said to me you have to re listen to one of these records, which one are you gonna re listen to? I I didn't have I wasn't offended at all by that cute is what we aim for record. From what I recall, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I thought it was absolute because I, I thought it was gonna be total dross. I think we both did. And we were both like, ah, it's fine. Like it's not very good, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, would I rather re-listen to this? Yeah, out of the two, yeah. So, are you suggesting forty-nine between? That is that is what I'm suggesting, and I'm also suggesting it because you could say, well, hold on, the songs are better on here than they are on Tin Machine, or the Weirdness, or Neon Twang, or even Baby Woman, and probably with the Boy with yeah. the Eyes, right? Yeah, 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 they, yeah, they probably are. But I think you have to take the ingrained cynicism and the kind of icky. Uh, faceless narcissism 
that this record yes. this, you know this record is not perfect let's be like you know it, well, it's far from perfect but Perfectly. you know we have to I, I just want to kind of flag up that if you know we've gone oh this is totally fine and these songs are blah blah blah, blah. to me there is an there is an inbuilt narcissism around anyone that tries to tackle these songs and tackle them head on and just go if biffy clyro got hold of ain't it a kick in the head and just decided to completely redo it in a completely different way i'd go yeah fair enough but i do think just going like oh we can do these all we have to do is put a sharp suit on and croon a bit no it's a little bit more difficult than that actually lads Mm. and this is a long way like if you do go and listen to you know someone like tony bennett duets that he did when he did the the, song with amy winehouse and even at his age you know he's getting on a bit now He's fucking brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. And I would say, you go and listen to any of those people who just have a, a, a quality to their voice, a lived-in quality to their voice. Sinatra had it. You mentioned Dean Martin. Dean Martin, you know Dean Martin from the, 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 the first word that comes out of his mouth. Immediately you know it's Dean Martin. I listen to this. I have no idea if it's bloody um, Gavin or um, yeah. Frimpong or Chalaba or Ziplock who is singing it or whatever his fucking names are and I'm, I've, they've gone beyond male names now and they're actually just like waste paper basket um, cloud, eye, eye cloud waste paper basket yeah, chlamydia yeah. And, and barista that's what the four of them are called um, I don't know which one's which I don't know who's doing what part they all sound the fucking same and like you say they bring a competence to it yeah. But this is cynical, money-making, narcissistic bullshit, ultimately. Absolutely. You put it very well there, the lived-in quality. Um, there is a sense when you listen to Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin or something, blah, 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 blah. There's a sense that they have lived a life and they are bringing the things that they have lived to this. Uh, the way that Westlife sing these songs, whilst there's nothing technically wrong with the way that they sing these songs they are sung perfectly fine from that point of view but there is no sense that they're bringing anything from their own lives into it whatsoever when frank sinatra sung my way yeah. you could tell that he was putting in the culmination of a long complex difficult life into the words of a song that he didn't write or and he didn't yes. create yes but he was drawing upon all those things were westlife to do that they would be drawing upon sitting getting bored sitting backstage at cd uk exactly and yeah. talking to cat Dealey, and it's just not as good yeah. basically it's just it? not so... lived very interesting like i mean yeah. uh, i mean yeah, selling out wembley arena more times than any other band i think that does stuff does get very ho-hum after a while and we've been backstage at various gigs and stuff and it it does become a bit like dull and boring and that's why people loved amy winehouse because she was because she lived a life which was interesting you know it was it i mean it was very fucked up and very difficult in lots of ways as well but she put that into her songs as well and Mm. there is no sense of that whatsoever with this album Particularly when you're just a wig on a balloon tied to a stool, which is what the members of Westlife are. Exactly. Two blonde wigs, two brunette wigs. Insert any male name here. (laughs) Blow up a helium balloon, draw a face on it, tie it to a stool. When the bit with 
you raise me up hits the key change let the balloon stand up a little bit <laughs> the big the the, the the most successful selling artist of in britain in the, the 21st century great yeah yeah cool so there you go can i be frank by westlife um that's what we think about it we're back on slightly more familiar territory next week renfrey because i have pulled out next week's entry into the uh into the, the thing whatever it's into called. your hand uh, into my hand <laughs> pulled it into my hand i think this will be quite an interesting one we are doing supercharger by machine head oh okay cool hmm. we've talked about machine head at length on this podcast two of us haven't we yeah. Spoken about Machine Head yeah, yeah. multiple times. So uh, we will be talking about them some more in quite a different way. Band I that imagine. we both love as well, I think yep. that's fair to say. Yep. Um, and oh, yeah, it'd be interesting to talk, talk about Supercharger. I don't think I've listened to Supercharger since uh, the last Machine Head record came out. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. <sighs> okay, good. Right. Well, we'll see you next week then. Um, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you go we've got a patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to see us be nice about or hear us being nice about music then uh, you can sign up over there or listen to us on right act every friday but we're back now we're back doing this and uh, i hope you had a nice break but we're back and um thanks very much for listening we appreciate that see you later